Hey guys, this is And The Writer Is, and I'm your host, Ross Golan. I've written with hundreds of artists and writers over the years, and my favorite part of each session is the first hour when we catch up about life, the industry, politics, composition, whatever. So this is a journey of learning why people write songs, how people write songs, and most importantly, who the people are who write the songs. I'm producing this with The Great Joe London, Big Deal Music Publishing, and Mega House Music Management. If you want to listen to the songs we discuss in this podcast, follow us on our socials, find out about special events, or buy some of our merchandise, go to our website, www.andthewriteris.com. Oh, and if you enjoy this podcast, please rate us on iTunes or whatever your preferred podcast listening site is. We really appreciate that effort. 
It's important to work on projects that financially cripple you. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but do you sleep in that? No, I just wanted. Um, I thought so. The, the long and the short of that project is, uh, I love how quickly things move nowadays. Streaming, you get a, a songs blasted out to the world immediately. But I wanted the other side too, and I and I wrote. You know, you know, like I'm sure you have a space where you write a lot of music. I'm not a very big hippie, but I think like the atmosphere of it gets charged. Like you charge it with these songs. Like it's the same way that if you're in a great studio where this happened, like my version of that, my Abbey Road is my bedroom. That's where I write all the songs. Um, and so I wanted to play my new album for people, fans in that room. Incredible. Um, and it's it's important. That's, that's the only. I think that's important to because uh, I I know you've you've had a million experiences like this too. There's so many things in music and art where you have an idea and someone's like, but you're not going to make money. In fact, you're going to lose money, and then you get caught up in that game. Um, but that's not why any of us started. No one in this room or in any studio you walked into is there because they wanted to get rich. They would have sold washing machines or stocks, which I, is such an important thing to constantly go back to because there's other people in our business that are there to get rich. So when you are building a trailer using your furniture from your childhood room, and you're in that, you're in that room playing the music... You know the new album for your fans. Are you listening to it like you were fifteen? Like, do you do you find yourself like listening to your own album like you're a fan, or do you? It, does that put you in that place, or are you able to sort of differentiate you as the writer and the artist from? I'm pretty far from it now. The, the whole the, the idea of the project was sort of about giving it away, like the album and a lot of my work in general is about moving on. Like, I think I, I write a lot, no matter what I write about. Like, what part of you froze? What part of you is unfrozen? Like, you know, because that's sort of interesting to me in general. Like, which part of you is dancing into the future and which part of you is stuck in the past? Um, so th- I like the absurdity of like, you know, mm. trying to move on. Well, here's here's my here's the most absurd way of not moving on. So I'm pretty far from it. I'm even thinking about like maybe I'll like blow it up in some grand gesture. <laughs> but but I what, once once I put something out, I, I usually get far enough from it. You mean like put dynamite in that? Old bedroom, yeah. And blow it up for real. Just in the in like you know, might as well race all the way down this road of complete absurd <laughs> absurd energy. Are you working in a way to impress that kid or something? Yeah, I'm very. Um, I don't know if you had this. I don't know who told me I couldn't do it because it wasn't my parents. They were great. Maybe it was school because I didn't do well. But I have this sense that someone told me I couldn't do it. And when I say it, I mean all of it. You know, make a living write songs, perform, uh, feed myself, have like a healthy mind and body. Like I just, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a Jewish thing. I, I don't, I, I just, I'm so, that, I'm railing against that. And in that intro that you remember is very nice, but it, it is, when you said being competitive, it's like, that's that's the person I'd like to be kinder to is myself. I'm not really looking at anyone else, but I, there's, I don't know who, I don't know who gave me such a chip. Yeah. I pretty much have had like one therapy session, <laughs> and this this person said to me, it was like, you know, I, I have a lot of issues with sixteen year old me, like sixteen, seventeen year old. I, I wasn't the best part of my life, and and he's like, you know, you can go back to that guy and like hold his hand. Like if you go back, what would you say to that guy? You know, or how do you forgive him for being? Oh, interesting. Not great. Was your sixteen, seventeen year old self not great? Just like not inspiring on the way I wanted to be, not like. What would you have done differently? Nothing in hindsight. 
Uh-huh. But at the time, like I wanted to make better music. I wanted to reach people. I wanted to like I just wanted to exist and to I don't know. I just wanted to create more, and I didn't know, didn't know how to do it. And I was like stealing shit. Wait, what do you mean? I was like into theft. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> you ever get caught? Yeah, I got arrested. Really? Or like the under eighteen version of arrested? What were you stealing? Well, I was very like political about it. I would I would only steal from big corporations, right? Um, so, but I stole a lot of like it was just like it was like real sport. It was like something my friends and I got into. Yeah, we used to steal CDs from Borders. Yeah, which is gone now. So I think if it's not Borders. Gone. Send me an email. Like, I'll send you like if there's a twenty five bucks or yeah. whatever <laughs> for the CDs that we used to steal. But actually, they were probably twenty five bucks a piece. <laughs> you know? That was a weird time. Yeah, but I yeah, did, or just like the concept of like not to get super therapy, but like even nowadays, like I'm I'm obsessed with I, and I keep wanting to use this as a lyric and I can't find a space, uh, so I don't know what it is yet. But we would never like a a, a decent human being, you know, a non bannon <laughs> would never. Speak to another person the way they speak to themselves. A Ever. decent person would never speak. To, you would never talk to me the way that you talk to yourself. Oh wow! Think about the th- think about yeah. the way that you like. If you don't, if you do something wrong, if you're not a okay, if you you know fuck something up, think about the way you treat yourself. And that and that I think is I've been trying to write that song for a long time. I don't have is the that lyric. a universal thing. I think it is. I think everyone treats themselves not necessarily like utter shit. Like I don't think we're all abusing ourselves, but. I do think that we all have a very hard time treating ourselves like a friend. Who? What's that lyric? Like, I wouldn't... Yeah, I mean... I would never talk to you like I talk to me. It's too chunky, right? It doesn't doesn't say well, it all. Well, it's, it's weird because you're the, you know, you're the antagonist in it, which I like. I, I never want the listener to be the antagonist. Totally. So if you're talking about... Either you're talking in the third person, where you're saying like... In a way, don't don't treat me how you treat you. Don't treat me. That that's nice. Ooh, that's good. Maybe we'll use that. Don't treat me like you treat. Or I wonder. Or is it just like like maybe I can't write it because I'm trying to make it like a hook, and maybe it's just like a weird passing lyric where it's like, what did he just say? Did he right. just say that really profound thing in like you know the third verse or something? Right. But I love the concept. But that's that's. But I, I'm I'm sure you are like that too. It's like like I have like certain. Certain flags in my head that I haven't written yet. That's a big one. Yeah. Like, why am I so mean to myself? I'm not a mean person. Who sets your, (laughs) like, level of, um, I don't know, we were just talking about where you raise your bar, you know, wherever you, or you set your bar and you aim for it. Who set your bar so high? Was it you? Were your parents? I mean, I think also as, like, a Jewish kid growing up, I, I felt, certainly in my family, that, Everyone was an entrepreneur. Yeah. And so I felt like I was failing if I couldn't feed myself in doing what I was doing. Yeah. Well, I versus I was... like, no, you know, I remember having the conversation um, early on in my career telling my mom not to tell people I'm a struggling musician and to just describe me as a musician. <laughs> I had that conversation. <laughs> you know, that adjective, really. Yeah, like, like like friends and family can look at my bank statement at another time, but regardless of what's happening there, I am a musician. <laughs> right. And that is the pursuit. And and to be honest, like if you're in, you know, if you're uh a resident as a doctor, you know, before you become a doctor, you know, you're not making any money doing but, that either. And but everyone's working. proud of you. But everyone's proud of you because you're in- Well, I think what pisses people off about artists is um 
they're 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 you know no one's like ah uh, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna go to college and I'm, I'm gonna become an artist and uh, shoot out a few kids and just be an artist for the rest of my life. Like, right. you know, no one's ever said that. So I think it inherently pisses people off when you go for it. Yeah. Um, because that's that's there's only uh, that's that's the whole story of life is is trying to go for it. But 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 there is something Jewish there because you touched on it a second ago. So I wanted to go back to it. Um, I did grow up with this feeling. World War II and the Holocaust is so present for Jews. So as far as that bar goes, like there was this not like invisible thought, but this like straight from my grandfather was like, yo, I got here in the craziest way. Like escaped fucking Europe, moved to Denver with no money, went back to Europe to liberate the camps, moved to New York City, like 13 people living in like an East Village apartment, sleeping in drawers, literally, just so your mother could go to college. And now you better not fuck this up. So, you, so, so it's not. It's so it's it's a weird thing, and I think it's I think it's post depression mentality for Americans. I think it's post World War II mentality for Jews and Europeans. But it's this like we worked so hard, so you could do whatever you want. So, so by all means, be an artist, do whatever you want, but don't you fuck it up, because you know we didn't do this. So I always had the sense that like if I'm going to try this thing, um. Oh my god! I, I better not um, disappoint the people who, you know, didn't like put in a hard day's work to get me here, but like you know, like fled war and like you know slept on the floor yeah. and and you know, success for my grandfather's generation was to be alive as a Jew. Success for my mother's generation was to have food on the table. So it's a, so I'm this lucky generation where they're like, okay, we worked so hard so you could actually have a choice. So I do feel this insane uh, pressure. I think it's, it's it's why Jews are so jittery. <laughs> I laugh at that. My my company's name is Papa Tibor Incorporated. You know that all my music goes through my grandpa. Yeah. You know who, same sort of thing. Barely escaped, and it was like it felt like. Uh, I look at every every statement I get is written to that. I mean, all the checks, every every contract Mine is, is written. Shirley up. Lawrence. That's my parents. Yeah, it's, crazy. Uh, are your grandparents proud of you? Well, th- I have one grandmother left who's extremely proud. Um, and but the grandparents that aren't here. The grandparents have departed over the past decade. Do you ever? Do you have any conversations with them in a way? I think they are proud, and I think it's the only time that I ever care about um, financial stability because uh, I toured so unsuccessfully for so long. You know, had to be supported. Had to ask my parents for money. Had to not move out of my house for a very long time. I really had a lot of peace with that because I really believed in making work. Um, but every once in a while, you know, now that I've uh, been able to support myself, I don't really I don't really care about that stuff, but I care about it only because I can see my grandfather being like, you know, we, we worked so hard just to get to America to, to try to live the American dream and you're getting your piece of it. Yeah. Because that's the real American dream, right? To work incredibly hard through generations and to be able to provide... For you know your generations to come, so that's the only time I, I care about that stuff. Is like because th- they weren't money focused. I mean, they lived in like a tiny house in Burlington, Vermont. The guy was a rabbi. You know, it's not like an ace way to get rich. <laughs> but uh, but uh, it, but th- but that that makes me proud because they were. Yeah. I, I think there was concern for a long time with good reason. When you're an artist, sometimes the universe yells at you to stop. How many shows did you play where, you know, it's it's not like. 
oh, there wasn't a great crowd. Like, there was no crowd. No one. There were the only only audience member is the bartender. That's not. That's not like or the band that's that's either closing or opening for you. If they were willing that, to stand there, the universe yeah. with by all standards is yelling in your face like please stop like we're asking you like if there's a god god did not send people to my show god did not put money in my bank account like if i was a religious person and and i think that's what's amazing that's why i love talking to writers and artists and people who do what we do because there's not one who just ascended into it all right everyone had to buy the delusion until it wasn't a delusion anymore so you're, I mean, you were just saying that the person that you that you feel like said you can't do it is the universe. For all those shows, you know, it's like I remember playing in Asbury Park and going and playing, and I there was no one at that show. When you tell people that story, because I do, they're like, "Oh, must miss Paul Crowd." I'm like, "You don't no, understand, nobody, no one." And you're like yeah. loudly playing while the promoter like looks at you. And it's yeah. like this sucks. You and, suck. Yeah. <laughs> and you put, and you just. I mean, it's you drove six hours or ten hours in a van with people that sometimes you really didn't even like. Yeah. To do it, just just you hurt to your do body, it. you hurt your mind, you just like yeah. diminished the no money you had. It's those early days of touring are so formative. I talk about this all all the time. I don't know if people realize this. I'll be like at a show; it'll be sold out, and I'll have this feeling like I hope they come. Because I can't take it if they don't yeah, come. Like, still. <laughs> do you ever have like a cousin come visit you in Iowa who's like, Ross is in a band, we're going to go see the band. And they show up and they're like, this is what you've been doing? Like, there's no one here. Yeah, I had a cousins come up to my show in Seattle. And um, and they were all so, they were really supportive. But I mean, I, I want to go back to one thing that you said, which was <laughs> that you had to ask your parents for money. And this was something, there's an artist, um, Andy Grammer, he says, yeah. he's said to me before, he's like, I think that there's always going to be an asterisk next to my success because I'm a white male. And just so much is given to a white male. And, you know, when I think of being in a place where you can ask your parents for some money, my parents helped me out a couple years after college and doing the same sort of thing. You know, I've, I'm so thankful to have been part of that. But one of my questions is like, and I've wondered this, if my parents weren't able to help me out, I don't know how I would have gotten here. Because there were so many times where, you know, I was, that assistance kept me afloat. Oh, I mean, they weren't giving, I was eating pasta with butter and salt because like, but you I, weren't I, I not made eating. it go, but I wasn't not eating. Everyone needs help. So like that's a real thing. I've always wondered like how do you make it in this how does somebody make it in this industry if they can't ask for help? That that's that's tough. I mean, you need to find people who believe in you. I don't think it necessarily has to be the place you were raised from. You know, I think there's but that but that's like that's a huge problem with our with our and with our government and our society. We know other countries have ways that if you're an artist, you can find help, you can get a grant, you can seek it out in, in another way. We're not really set up to take care of of uh, people who aren't in, I mean, in so many ways, obviously, that's incredibly obvious. But but that that's that. there's a huge hole. There's a huge hole. That That's something in the music business, you know, some of us get involved in music education and things like that. Like, everyone needs to be picked up in some way. It's very, it, it, I, I, it's, it, there's a huge hole there. When in the process, you know, Steel Train had a following. That was like that's like a real band. It got it got there. It took a long time. 
So like we worked 10 years to get to the point where we could like, I think at the height, not to put it in financial terms, but we, we, we each made $300 a week. That was the that was how and that was enough to sustain on tour, not borrow money, go home, live with our parents. Like no one moved out of their houses. That was enough that and that was we were the richest men on earth. Right. And and in reality that was that wasn't delusion. We had a van, a trailer, and we could drive around the country and not lose money. Yeah. And feed ourselves. Um I It's a fucking miracle if you think about it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And and there's also there's there's a difference between happiness and joy and some of these other adjectives that describe that. But in the English language, there's only like the word, for the most part, when you would describe that time, you think of it as like, it's the same thing as I was saying, like there's only, you're only so successful. Like the word successful is arbitrary. It's an absurdly relative concept. It, totally. Same with happiness. And when you're saying in this case that like, you're able to provide for yourself and be a musician... And you're able to tour around in a van and whatnot. Like that's that's as happy as you get, in a sense that there were times where you know we'd run into each other on your like eighth month of touring for the biggest song in the world. And I don't know if you're happier at that time than you are when you're when you have three hundred dollars a week. I, I think no, it's just know? it's just different. They're just different universes. Yeah. So you always you're always in some sort of spectrum where the where the you know when I was in steel train the bottom of the spectrum was uh, you know not get by and and no one comes and it's horrible and the top of the spectrum was I looked at bands that could draw five hundred to a thousand people and I said that is the top that is the ultimate goal here and and now that shifted that shifted as life goes on and then you have another experience it's it's no different than like girls it's like you you make out with a girl and you're like holy shit what if i could touch her boobs one day <laughs> cut to like you're in your 20s and you're fucking and you're like seeing some weird shit on porn maybe i don't know but like your whole <laughs> spectrum shifts you know yeah. um you remember that like being in like 6th grade and you're like you had second base and second base was like the equivalent of like Oh, I, like I'm, you know. Yeah, I was not even shower. entering the Hot 100. You know, to, cut to like you're in you're in 12th grade. And you're like it was number one for a week. That sucks. Like, so everything. Yeah, is- I was a chubby Harry Potter. I wasn't having that conversation in sixth grade. I was wearing like a silk shirt with like different colors on it. It's like yeah. 19, mid 1990s. So maybe at you were best. just trying to you know even get a base hit. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, maybe you were trying to oh, bunt yeah. like a successful yeah. bunt. <laughs> yeah, totally. When, but um, I think about that a lot, like how weird, <laughs> how weird it's gotten. Where, but you, you know this comedian Mike Birbiglia? Yeah, he's sure. a great comedian. He's a really old friend of mine. I've known him for a long, long, long time. Met him at Bonnaroo, two thousand five. He he said this thing to me because he's had an amazing career that just keeps growing, and growing. And he goes, I keep feeling like every time I achieve something, someone's gonna like grab me and like take me in through a, a trap door and be like, now you're in, or like here's your card. This is how we do it. This is how you do it when you have a number one record. This is what happens when you win a Grammy, all this stuff, right? And he said, all this stuff, you, you work and you work and you work and you achieve this new level and you think something's going to happen and you just, the bubble bursts and you're like, oh, it's just about the work. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's just about the songs. It's just about how good the records are and the performance. And then all this stuff and there's all this hype and you have this moment, you have this moment and poof, oh, it, there was nothing at the end of that tunnel. It's just about what happens when you write. It it's weird. You almost have to experience the mountaintop a couple times, you know, to recognize that that it's a that it's not a tangible thing. You know, even people who climb Mount Everest, it's cool. You get there, but you still have to quickly turn around 
or you you die on the way down. Yeah. I mean, like you you only you can only be there for a minute, and then you have to turn around, and you have to you have to turn around quickly, and you have to like move like your way back down, and then when you get down to the bottom, you can go and start training for like the next year to well, that, maybe that's your go life. for it. That's again. exciting. Yeah, but I think the idea is like you get up to the top and somebody's gonna is you know there's gonna be a parade or even that parade like I imagine that's not very long either. (laughs) It's not very long either, and also it's not very satisfying. Yeah, you you realize that you you I mean that that's what I believe about uh, writing and and making work is that feeling compelled to do it. Like even right now, like I'm like what what is that? I'm gonna go studio today. It's like am I gonna find that thing? Is is anything gonna happen? Is it gonna be another day of Almost, or is something actually going to happen? Um, and then when something happens, you get so excited and you feel so alive. But I think just existing in that process is uh, the highest form of consciousness I've found. Do you know when you write a great song? Uh, I know when I have a moment. I know when I have. Uh, I don't. I don't write a ton, so I don't have a lot of. I know when something uh, feels exciting to me. Um, which more and more I'm starting to give myself uh, permission to say, well, if something feels exciting to me, then it's it's a real thing. I, I'm trying to let go of what, uh, you know, the the mill of, is it going to work? Is this, is that, you know? The anatomy of, of, of something that quote-unquote works is really just something we like. Right. I mean, we talked about this a little bit when we did the Songwriter Hall of Fame thing last year, but... Um, your technique is so different. Your math and your arrangements are just different than, you know, let's say the Swedes. Um, is that intentional? Uh, it's become no, no. Max Max always calls me in. Uh, what does he call me? An unprofessional songwriter, in a, in a sweet way. Yeah. Um, uh, or you know, like one time Max told me why like. He was comparing "We Are Young" and "I Want to Get Better" and saying why both of them were incorrect, and, and so so yeah. I, I didn't I didn't know that, but now I now I take pride in the niche. Now yeah. I'm happy to be that that if if that's the hole I fall into, I'm 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 cool with it. I just I never did uh, I never did well with it. Like it, like it, it it when I when I find a song or an idea that uh, is exciting to me. It's because it's exciting to me, not because of any other thing, and and I've never worked well with people that stitch things together that way. But I have so much respect for it. It's just like, it's like I just don't have. I'm not great. I'm not good there. Yeah. Does it make you second guess yourself? Mm, no. That's the one nice thing about any kind of success is I feel a little confident. a little more confident in in things that I was always secretly confident confident in. Yeah. Because I think that we've we've all have that part of us. Like you wouldn't write songs. If there was wasn't this tiny little voice that was like, I really think there's something here. Once again, you, no one starts this to make money, and the fallacy of starting it to like get girls or guys or whatever is not really like you do it because you have to do it. You really believe that there's, you know, I think I think that's why so many songwriters have so much self hatred because you started this because you actually think that these songs that you are capable of writing are something the world should hear. That's a very tough thing to come to terms with. There's a lot of ego there. With the ego attached to songs, you know, especially when we were talking about the mountaintop, and then songs kind of go away. If that's the metaphor, mm-hmm. you know, I guess one of the themes that that we've had in recent interviews have basically been that legacy is stupid. You know, it's that in a way, it's like, you know, it's not like does legacy exist in the in the modern world though, with the amount of information that happens. I mean, 
Aren't we just sort of focused on moments? If, at this if point? we were to ask people who are listening to this to sing me a melody that is that was written by Mozart, sing me a melody that was written by Beethoven, sing me a melody that was written by, you know, Paul McCartney, let alone Miles Davis or Franz Liszt or like you know going backwards or or Bach or something like that. My assumption is that even some of the most astute listeners that we have can't really do all that. Yeah. Um, I was even to, having a moment where I was like... Eh. Not, to bel- <laughs> not to belittle that. I'm just saying that like legacy has been stupid for a long time. It just took me getting older and realizing that, that you know, it, you have... You know, I, I don't know what the purpose is of any of it. I think in a way like the purpose of it is to make people feel in the moment really excited. But You're- like the idea of people talking about my success in the future is... Is weird. I mean, you know, you could very well end up being some sort of Confederate monument, <laughs> and somebody, you know, you think you're achieving some sort of thing, and but you're, you know, eventually they just take you down, <laughs> like, or nobody remembers who you are, so they don't mind. Is is a, is a very funny thing to think about. Just just who's going to hear it, when they're going to hear it. I, I I take a lot of comfort in knowing it exists for people to find. The music exists. Yeah, just yeah. I don't take comfort in being like, oh, people are going to listen to this forever, and I'll and I'll live forever through that. I take comfort in knowing that this, like, uh, you know, it's like a dime. You know, when they sift through diamonds, yeah, and like the, those uh, like big strainers, and, yeah, like like, like it's it, it's there, and and if someone ever wants to find it, they can. So yeah. you know, short of like the entire universe being erased, it does make me feel a little less uh, freaked out about dying. <laughs> um, are you freaked out about dying? Not like any more than anyone, but uh, it's there. I mean, uh, I do think about my work as like I I, I back it up towards uh, not being here anymore. Like, there's certain things I want to do, certain songs I want to write. I get if I get an idea, like we were talking earlier about this song about how a person wouldn't talk to themselves the way they would talk to a friend. Like, that gives me stress if I actually have an idea and I want to write it and I haven't done it yet. Yeah, I mean that's what makes you motivated as a yeah. writer. Like I, I crave those moments because that means that I have a purpose to go and totally. actually write, not just like I. I think I've written songs and crafted through not being inspired, but those moments where you're actually inspired to write down that that concept, that's exciting. It's very exciting. You know? But it's all crazy. It's fucking nuts. If you think about it, I think you could drive yourself crazy. What if I didn't go to the studio that day? What if I didn't drop the my my phone on the piano key that hit that note that led me to like just have that melody like it's just there's no rhyme or reason it's have you so had tiring. a moment where you were like oh, I don't really want to go to the studio and then you Tons. went and it was like oh my god that's endless moments where I go to the studio and someone doesn't show up and then I'm left in a room with someone else and we just kind of noodle around and it leads something crazy or anything good I've ever done like any examples for those? tons I mean uh um when I did the track for Out of the Woods, which is a Taylor song that I'm really proud of, uh, there was some issue with a venue and our show was canceled that night. And I didn't have my stuff. I had left it on the bus. So I only had these old samples on what was on my laptop and cut up that OO thing. And I only had like this one drum kit on there. And I like it just all dumb little things when I uh, made it, I want to get better. I was in Malaysia and my. Uh, MPC uh, software literally glitched out and just started going like da 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 da. It was like, and I was like, eh, and I kind of like started bobbing my head to it. Like, it's always something incredibly stupid. Um, 
he kind of he puts in perspective how much he, powerless. He, yeah, just powerless. powerless. Right? <laughs> I always think that every, literally every song. I mean, when I was doing fun and we did some nights, we sort of like had this weird college show in Phoenix, and someone was like, "If you want to use one of the music rooms, we went to the music room, started like banging out the song. Like it's always some dumb thing where if that one college student wasn't like, "Hey, do you want to use our piano room?" What the fuck would that have not happened? Would then we are young have been a one hit wonder and we wouldn't have had a follow up that wouldn't matter? And then would I not have been able to done it? It it's it could drive you fucking insane and paralyze you because what are you supposed to do? How are you supposed to create those moments? You can't. Speaking of going back to the legacy thing, what you should do or what we should do is find out which exact room it was he wrote some nights. <laughs> send a plaque. So they could put it on their wall. Because imagine every student walking into that room being like, holy shit, this is the room. Yeah, and then what, some student's going to see that and then be like, think they want to write the opposite of that song and then that leads to something. It's just sure. everything is so wildly connected. But every good, everything I've done that I've been proud of, um, something silly happened. I don't know, have you really had like, have you really had the like, let's go in and write this song and you actually write that song? Um, no, isn't it always never. like a weird cousin of that song? Absolutely, that meets like another weird cousin. They have like an ancestral relationship, and they birth like the right song. <laughs> sure, sure, absolutely. I mean, it's amazing how many voice notes I have where you hear the crinkling of plastic because I'm picking up my dog's shit while I'm singing <laughs> into my phone with my other hand and holding his leash. You know, while I'm like trying to sing this melody into my yeah, phone, it's shit like, crinkle sound leads to a drum sound. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, when you're in a band in LA, there's so many bands in LA where they've spent ten years in a band and they don't quit. They're just like, "Yo, we're gonna make it someday." And I worry about th- those people because they're they're so loyal to each other that they're willing to not move on when they know something is broken. And they think that somehow they're going to either write the hit or someone's going to now discover them. Um, and, and I tend to think that there's some expiration on certain projects. And you've been in a few bands that have all been successful on different levels. And there have been some time where you said you know, that you were done with Steel Train, that you're done with Fun, and now you're in Bleachers. When do you know when to sort of end a project to start a new one? And how how do you facilitate that political nature in bands? Well, I, well, po- politics aside, I think your body tells you. So I, literally, I think your body is like, like when I, your body just starts focusing on things. So like when I started Bleachers, while I was in fun, on these like big arena tour, Theoretically, everything should have been like really great. And I just would, without thinking about it, just like found myself going back to the hotel and writing songs every night. And and I always wrote songs, but you know the difference between writing songs and writing a project. You could write a million billion songs, but writing an album is a totally different experience. You know, like it's like, and I was like, oh my God, I'm making an album. My body did it before I admitted to myself. Before, before I could deal with how the fuck am I going to be in fun and have another album? What are people going to think? I don't want to have a side project. That's not me. Like, I don't want to be like some guy in a band who looks like he's grabbing that success and starts. Like, before I could even deal with all that shit, I was just making an album. So I think your body really, it's no different than like relationships. Like, you, like I really believe in like following 
just like what do you do? What are you writing? Like like your life right now, like what are you writing? Sure, you're 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 not a total hippie fuck off. You're not like not showing up to sessions and like digging a hole in your backyard looking for a song. But like in between life, what are you doing? What what is just like naturally happening? Is your eye twitching? Are you writing your polka project? Like so so that so that's A. I've always just sort of followed, you know, even at the end of Steel Train, I just I got really excited about fun. And I was like, kinda wanna be here. Um but uh politically it is weird. And and fun had a totally weird thing, you know, where but but that was a weird one because we had we me, Andrew and Nate had all worked so hard for so long. Nate was in the format I was a steel train, Andrew was in Onathal. You're not you're not talking about people who did two years of weird touring. You know, we were 26, 27 when that thing took off. You're talking 10 years in for all of us of like building and building and building. And and so it happened and it happened quickly. Um, it was weird. Everyone had a different reaction. And, and also songwriting became a part of that. We all started doing things with other people. Um, that, that was also, to get back to the chip, that, that was motivating for me because when I was in fun... I had written songs for so long and had my own bands and then done everything else. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, I'm the guitar player in this band with the glasses or whatever. I'm, I'm, right. that's, I'm this caricature that is, and, and it didn't make me mad at people because I was like, I see that. I think about my favorite bands. Oh, there's that dude. I recognize his face. He can't be doing anything because he's not singing it. And I noticed that. I won't, I won't use any names, but and this sort of segues how I really got into writing. I always wanted to collaborate, and I always wanted to do things. And um, we were, I was trying to figure out a publishing deal because we were young and become a hit. And so all of a sudden, you, I'm sure you had this moment where you go from, I want to do this, to everyone's like, well, now you can. Like, we're opening the door because we finally trust you. doesn't make me mad, but but it's just how it is. You know, I'm that way. My manager will call me and say, do you want to work with someone? And I'll be like, well, who are they? And if my manager says, they're just this person, I'll be like, okay, I'll look it up. But if he's like, oh, they did this song that you love, I'll be like, oh, great. It's just, it's knowing someone or not. So when We Are Young happened, I had a shot. Um, and I remember th- this, this really motivated me. So this person who wanted to sign all of us, we, uh, he started setting up sessions and he set Nate, who was a singer in fun up, he set him up with Bruno Mars and Pink. And he set me up with two people that I don't even know if write songs anymore. And I remember I had this moment. This is the I don't have a lot of advice because I'm not super old yet or, or super accomplished, but I always tell people in that moment, I was like, I got to find my people. These aren't, who see you as yeah, the, I need who my see you people. as the front man and, of your life. Of front man of my life. And by the way, it's not about front and center because half my days are spent just yeah, it's not helping the ego part. It's other right. artists yeah. work on their vision. It, it's not about that. It's just, I was like, damn, I got to find my people. Um, and And... And I worked on it and I slowly did. But that was also part of that chip of like, I wanted to define myself outside of that because um, it it, it felt odd to be in an ecosystem where I was very like, I was having all this success, but I felt like I couldn't do the things I wanted to do. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You really have to find your people. And, and, that, and that ecosystem at the time with a lot of the people we were working with on the business side, um, I was kind of like, hi, like I have this idea for another band. I want to write songs too. And everyone was like, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get to you. Just, you know, play the guitar and rock out on the stage. And I'll be like, but I'm I'm not delusional because I've been doing this for ten years before all this shit happened, before radio, before number one songs. I got all these songs, and um, so th- that's a big thing that I've taken with me is don't don't you know you don't want to have blinders. Look around, like because mm. there might there might be some dude or some girl to the left who you don't think is the one that's going to have the heart and the songs, and they might actually got it. Um, so that that was also part of that chip that we were talking about of like oh I gotta you know not not yeah. just get defined by this. The single to my, I was in a band called Glacier Hiking, and the the single for Glacier Hiking was a, band, a song called "Stay Positive," which I took from the musical I'm recording right now. So in like 2009, the song was from this musical, and I remember saying to my bandmate and to you know the producer, I was like, "Well, let me play you the musical," and they're like, "Nah, nah, 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 it's fine. Like yeah, yeah. we get we get that you have a musical." Like, no, no, no. I swear it's like a really modern, like cool. <laughs> Yeah. Thing, and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane, and that song ended up becoming, you know, the song that that we really were pushing for whatever moment we were pushing it. And you know, it's eight years later right now, and I'm recording that musical for real, and we're, you know, all this stuff's really happening with it, and it's shocking just to see that this piece of music, you know. I was waving it to them. I was like, no, I'm telling you guys, no, this is real. And people are really liking it. Like when I play for other people, they really enjoy this. And Dude, and they're like, no, they were like not into it. They're just, you know, it's cool. Man. I, I, I Good have, luck with that. And you're like, I have so man. many songs that have become massive hit songs that I waved in someone else's face before they had a reason. I mean, dude, stories, endless stories of, oh, Jack can't do that. Oh, Jack's not a writer. Oh, he is. Okay, well, Jack's not a producer. He's never produced a hit. Then you produce a hit. It's like, you just, you're, I've been waving things in people's faces and you just, you just, it doesn't even, it used to piss me off. Now it doesn't, you could, you just got to prove it because they, but, but one thing it, it does do is it makes me recognize excitement. If I'm in a room with someone and they're like, I got this other thing, I'm like, please tell me about it. Because it's that same feeling when you're in a room with people and you're like, but there's also this, and they're like, nah, nah, nah. do the guitar part. You know, it's always something. For a while it was do the guitar part, and then it was, okay, he can write. All right, do do the top line. And it's like, but I think I can also produce. And yeah. everyone's like, no. Nah. And then you get there and you always um you always gotta prove it. You always gotta go go take it. Yeah. And I think that that um is is a, is a nice thing to remember. Well, you pr- you produce music now that feels um it it feels like you're not really you're you're not very good at chasing trends. <laughs> I'm not good at it. You're really not. I yeah. mean in the nicest way like you have all these like you you can have the most current pop stars writing with you. But w- there's something about your productions that feel um 
they're much more timeless. They're much more like songs that, in a way, we grew up with. Even if there's modern synths well, my, my theory and is stuff if, like that, there's if, not like if it came across you know, my desk, it's over. If if I know it's a trend, it's cooked because I'm not I'm not out there. You know, there was a time when I was, when I was 16. I was like on the street at the Legion Hall in New Jersey witnessing shit, you know, or like 18 in New York City when like the Mercury Lounge was happening. Like, but at 33, if you're telling me that that trap's happening, it fucking happened already. You know, like, yeah. so I've just sort of resigned to this thing of like, I just want, I think, I think the best way that I can contribute to the world is just what I think is cool because I'm, I'm not interested in, I don't know, if, 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 if we find out about it, it's over. Right. I want to incriminate you. If, 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 <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're right. I mean, I, I went. Um, and why would you want to? Also, right. it's like I. I also feel that way. That that was a big lesson too from the way I came up. Of like, you know, it's my, so my, tempting though. It's tempting because it's you, so tempting you know it'll research, some, quote unquote, better. Right. But I also, I think, I think it's also once again the chip. When we were young, happened, and I started going into rooms. There was so much energy to recreate that, and I was just like, but that worked because it didn't sound like anything. No one when, when when that song was in the hands of the label, so that was my first hit, right? It didn't sound like anything, and no one earmarked it as a single. The only reason why that song became a single is because Jeff Basker, who produced that song, played the song for Kanye. Kanye took the song, him and Jay Z rapped on it, kept the hook, put it on Watch the Throne, and then took it off Watch the Throne two weeks before. But during that time period, all of a sudden, everyone working on Fun was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We, we thought we were signing this little indie band and we're going to make a cheap album. What the hell are these huge stars doing recording this album? We got something here. You know how that works in the industry. And then something gets earmarked as the next thing. But it wasn't because that song was like, no one was like, that's going to be a massive, massive hit. Everything I've ever had, the, my, my, the next thing I did was Brave with Sarah Bareilles. We just like noodled around and did that. And I sent it to my manager and he, and. I think he was the one who was like, this is like actually really good, but it didn't really sound, it was sort of like this like poppy piano anthem. And um, I've, n- I've never had an experience, once again, I'll just talk about my own uh, inadequacy. I'm just not good at recreating stuff, but I also don't respond to it as a person because I think, I think people are, I think people can tell. Right. And I'd rather have a song that shits out at 20 or 50 or whatever than one that goes further but doesn't... Um, you know what's a game I like to play? Think about your favorite songs from the 90s. Check out their chart position. Blow your fucking mind. Yeah, it is. All crazy. the ones that are the number one songs in, in my head are really like number 65, but it's like the actual number one song that year, gone. Yeah. But that other song... But that's what I'm chasing. I'm chasing the the big songs that are actually the good the ones... Copyrights. That, that hang out. Evergreens. Evergreens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think... That I mean, you now have an, an, a number of hits. Um, what do you think are the evergreens? Do you think you, I mean, I feel like you kind of have a few, but in your head, what do you think in 15 years? If if it's fortunate enough, what are the songs that people are going to say, like, man, that's an evergreen? Um, I don't know. I mean, there's the ones to me. What which ones are to you? I think one of the biggest evergreens is putting it is the, the Lord's on Greenlight. Yeah. That song means so much to me. I think it's like I still don't get sick of it. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't like a crazy radio hit, but people like it so much. I know. I think out of the woods, the Taylor song is is like that. I think that I just, I just look for those songs that actually kind of stick with people. You know, even just like sort of just like field research. 
you know, not like M scores or if someone turn, clicks off the radio here or there or whatever, but like people come up to you on the street, they're like, I love that song. I want to get better, it seems at that feeling where it just feels like I just like shouted enough of my life. And even like like some nights, like no, I, I don't meet too many people who are like, oh God, if I hear that one again, like people seem to like it. Yeah. Um, which is essentially, because that's a funny thing about our business, right? The ability to have success and annoy people. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I mean, I don't I'm, want that, but it's so present in our business. Sure. And I believe that, because here's how I feel about uh, the radio. It's, I, I don't think it's going anywhere. In my whole fucking life, everyone's like, the radio's going away. And they just keep being wrong. And I think streaming is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it's, a, the, and it's the fucking 80s again in the music business. You see it, budgets are opening up. We're entering a new golden era. It's wonderful. We're no longer on this Hindenburg. Great. However... 30, 40 million songs, fantastic. You, me, kids in Sri Lanka, someone in Dallas, Texas, we need to be connected somehow. We're connected by Trump, because we hate him. We're connected <laughs> by Game of Thrones, because we love it. <laughs> and then we're connected by a certain list of songs. Maybe this song we're connected by, because if we yeah. fucking hear it one more time, we're going to rip our eyes out. Yeah. And maybe this song we're connected by, because we love it. But we can't live, and I am full left corner of the sandbox type motherfucker usually. But even when I was like going to punk shows in Legion Halls, my existence was railing against goddamn Britney Spears and NSYNC. So that thing, it's, it's sort of like Sprite, image nothing, thirst is everything. Well, that's your image. It's like whether you are a vessel that rails against the mainstream in that 10 song radio playlist or you love it and it's Michael Jackson and the world is new again or it's Taylor... Great Kanye, Beyonce, Adele, it's good music or it's utter garbage that makes you want to kill yourself. We have to fucking be connected by it. It can't go away. And so I always say that when I'm in label meetings, like, where are the gatekeepers? Is that going to be good or is it going to be bad? Yeah, how will people remember? And yeah. back to legacy, but how will people remember this period? That's the I love, I love, I love um, trying to freak out like AR guys. So that's the new thing I say. I say, when you're dead, <laughs> yeah, right. I like to start conversations with, when you're dead, if like I'm in there and I got a special song and I'm like, I'd like you to really work on this. Not because I need to make more money, not because I need to be more well-known, but because in that short playlist that you have the keys to, I think this one, this song about loss or real friendship or right. whatever it is, I think this one uh, has the power to to kind of matter a little bit more. Um, and then I say, when you're dead, <laughs> right. you know, are they going to remember for this or that? I like right. to plant that seed in both the lord album and in in both bleacher albums you're it's so it's um the lyrics are certainly in the verse is really small and close and um when you're talking about uniting a lot of people it's really interesting because i feel like they're so personal and um do you think that that helps getting an audience to become? I think it's helped closer because me. because they then end up feeling like more connected. Because like if you get, you know, if you get Jack, then like, and I get Jack, then we're close. Or is it, or is that a detriment? You know, it's. A, I, I I think it's probably both, but I think that, I mean, that's why I love uh, the mainstream so much. Is not because, and this is arguments I've had with writers a lot. Um, not because I think it's stupid, but because when it's smart, 
God, it's amazing, right? When it's Obama, it's the best feeling. Um, <laughs> but like, but like, okay, you're you're a freak. You're a total freak, right? You're like working on your musical, and yeah, right. You you do this show because you're a total freak of nature. Like you're you're not representative. And I hope you take this as a compliment. I, I know you of like your average hang, person hanging out on Instagram. You're not like it's weird that you are penning things that everyone knows, right? But that's. That's what's what's like so exciting is is to say like okay if I'm if I'm this piece of shit over here, if anything, what do I have in common with everyone? That's the chorus to me. What do I have in common with everyone? Doesn't have to be the whole song because I'm not trying to I'm not writing a jingle for everyone. So it's like I, whether it's me or other artists, I say you got the whole verse. You can say whatever the fuck you want. You could talk about when masturbation loss is fun. You're fucking lazy. Green Day. You could talk about. Uh, propaganda. Did you know I was nine and tried to fuck a friend of mine? He was eight. I turned 10. 14 years later, it happened. And you can say whatever you want. Bruce Springsteen, I want to sh- change my clothes, my hair, my face. The writer came in and was like, I have a great line. I want to change my clothes, right. my hair, my face. I'd be like, well, that's going to be a really hard song. Cut to, even if we're just dancing in the dark, it's like, yeah. you th- that the chorus, hook, it's not a bad word, literally fucking grabs you by the mouth and you're along for the ride. And then that ride one song is an entire life. So whether it's me, that, that you know, I want to get better. I'm talking about losing my mind from taking acid, the death of my sister, panic and anxiety disorder. But hey, I want to get better. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, and so I said, when I wrote, wrote that song, I was like, I think I can squeeze this by people because everyone wants to get better. Taylor out of the woods talking about all this very personal stuff about a relationship falling apart, liking it to this snowmobile accident, going to the hospital and seeing all the darkness and color in a relationship. But are we out of the woods? I, I, if you ask me, are we out of the woods yet? If my Uber driver turned around and just said, are we out of the woods yet? I would say, I would immediately know what he was talking about in my life. Right. Um, Every song that I've ever, Sarah with, with Brave is a very personal story about a friend coming out, but I want to see you be brave. If you looked me in the eye and said that to me right now, no matter what the fuck, if anyone said that to me, if fucking Trump said that to me, it might matter. And so I think that's the the ultimate goal. God, how easy would it be to write songs that fly over people's head? Yeah. I could do that right now. And then I could just sit in my corner and be like, you don't get it. But when you've had that connection with people, it's incredible. But I think I, I always say that versus go to town. It's it's the difference on some level of either being the artist or writing with the artist versus pitching songs too. Like I feel like when you're pitching a song, you have to be aware of the fact that do you pitch you a know, lot? Um, I, I of my of the songs that same old love, uh, uh, my house and uh, dangerous woman were all pitched. Dangerous woman seems so personal though. I mean, Sorry. if you hear me playing it on acoustic guitar, it sounds like... So that doesn't mean be lightning in a bottle because that seems like, as an outsider and a fan, yeah. that seems like the thing I had been waiting for her to say. Yeah. Like actually knew But when I was, moment. I thought it was for... Did you talk to her before? I thought it was for Carrie Underwood first. Okay. Well, I've talked to Carrie about it now. <laughs> um so we're friends. It's cool. But like I always thought she would be right for it, but I went to Nashville and no I didn't know anybody who knew Carrie and I had this like chorus written out. And then I went back home and I um I played it for Yoan and we did a version of it and when we were done we were like 
you know, Alicia Keys was coming in the next day. So we were like, oh, maybe this is more for like Alicia or something like that. And we played it for um, my publisher who then was like, you know what, let's get a girl vocal on it because that's going to help. And um, Was it you singing? Yeah. So you were singing, you make me feel like a dangerous woman? Well, that's part of the craziness of that. I just thought it was a really cool concept yeah. and I thought it was a really dark melody over like with those chords which felt really empowering like to me it felt like it was like a, almost like a blues more of a blues record at first well, you know what grabbed me about it and i don't know if you intended this in any way um you know the song uh natural woman is that kind yes. of thing so it doesn't sound anything like that in any way but obviously uh you know the woman dangerous woman natural yeah. woman i thought it sounded like you could hear society had like melting away over forty years since that song came out of like you make me feel like a natural woman, like you feel like a dangerous woman. It felt like oddly, like this like political time yeah. capsule. <laughs> well, it's weird you say that because the original version of it before, because I have all the voice memos, and the first voice memo I have of it is me driving and being like, ah, oh, this would be cool if there was some sort of modern version of that, and it was like, you know, like something about you. Makes me want to be that kind of woman. <laughs> that was like the very first version, and it was like, well, that kind of sucks. And like, how always, do you like edit that, that um, into something? Words like, like that, this, um, just j- yeah. It's like, like, well, what? Right. I. That's the only. I, I don't want to. Uh, I would do anything. For like, love, like that. But that Chainsmokers song. I'm like, I, um, I want something yeah. just like this. Yeah. I always. I, I, not no shade on anyone, but I, whenever I hear that song in my head, I go, "Just like what? <laughs> Tell me." But that's but the like, thing. Okay. But I want to know, like, like if you said, like, I want something just like, like I want love, just like pain. I want pain, just like love. Food. Like I want, like you know, like just like tell me because I'm listening to your song and I got to listen to it every day at the airport and the Uber and the blah, blah, blah. I got to hear it everywhere. So just tell me what you want. Please. But that's it's like being in a, it's like being in a bad relationship. It's like. It's like when when you're with someone that you can't. That's that's when I that's when it, the fucking radio drives me crazy. It's like communicate with me. I don't have to love your production. I don't have to love your drum sounds. But fucking tell me something. That's why I love that Dangerous Roman song. When I would hear it, it'd be like I understand exactly what you're saying. Right. Thank you. And now I can choose if I want to stream that song a hundred million times or never listening to it. But songs, and maybe I'm overthinking this. Songs like I want something just like this. I'm like you've got to tell me how you feel. Yeah. Or else I can't. Go on, but that's the difference of oh, a lot of the sessions. I, I you didn't write that song, did you? No, I didn't. Okay, good. But a lot of the, um, <laughs> if I did, that'd be great. That'd but be amazing. But I also, I didn't. I knew you didn't because you're. <laughs> I knew you. Right. Wouldn't say that. <laughs> but there's there are a lot of a lot of co-writers I have are, are immigrants, and so they speak. They want to write songs that communicate. Not that there were immigrants on that particular <laughs> song, but they want to speak to the world, and a lot of that world doesn't speak. English, yeah, and so they like the sound of the word, and they like the broad strokes vibes. More, but sometimes you get the most as, emotion out of that. Sometimes when you, because I work with a lot of people that are not from here too, yeah, or English as a second language, and sometimes they just a person who who has less words will just say it in a way where you're like, whoa! It's the same reason why I write on piano, not guitar. I'm better at guitar, so I'm like, oh, these are dumb chords. You know, I'm on piano. I'm just like, that's beautiful. You know, so sometimes yeah. I'm writing with someone who's who. Um, has English as a second language, they'll just be like, like they'll be like, I want love, and you're like, ah, like, that's, yeah, that's gorgeous, yeah, right. I mean, it's, a, it's a Elton John song, but right, I, I, that's uh, I fuck with that all the time. Uh, just a comment. I, one of the things that I really like about you know the 
you you were able to release both the Lord album and the Bleachers album, I believe, the same week. Yeah, like the, two weeks apart. Two weeks apart, which so, is totally unintentional. I cannot believe it worked. It worked out that way. So awesome. And one of the things that's really cool about it is that you guys both wrote on each other's albums. Yeah. Well, it was. A full, I think that's really cool. Well, Even was, though I think she only wrote on one song, but I think like. But she was like so. I mean, how cool is that though? That she was you, very helpful with just opinions. Yeah. Because you know when you get sometimes you're like like I'm in a phase phase right now where I'm just like free and I'm trying things and I'm doing this I'm finishing that I'm just noodling around but then when I was making the Lord album and the Bleachers album that was like 18 months of like this is the only thing I'm doing and it's every day is chipping you know how it is sometimes you write these songs or work with an artist or your own songs and it's like it comes out and you're like put a helmet on that thing that is done back up the fucking drive right now and then sometimes you're just like chipping away at, yeah. at a fucking piece of stone looking for this album and the song forever and you know it's in there there's no question that was the Lord of the Bleachers album there was never a question that it was in there it was they, those were just two records that had to work like that but I had been in the hole for so long um, that when they came out I had this feeling that uh, of relief that it was real L- literally you know because I had done so much th- those two albums were the only thing I was doing and no one had heard them for so long yeah. and I'd go out and play shows and i play old music people say what are you working on blah blah blah, blah. and I, I I don't like that. I like when things come out quick. Do you get nervous when your songs come out? No, I get relieved. Mostly relieved. I mean, I want. I don't feel. I, I'd, I'd have trouble admitting this a couple of years ago. I'm trying to admit it now, which is that when a song comes out, I have an expectation for what is supposed to happen for it, and I don't mean that in a gross way. I mean that in an emotional way. Um, like I like I think to myself, okay, this is not the kind of song that I want to be a huge radio song. This is the kind of song that I want for people to put in their back pocket and to be a secret for. 100,000 people across the world and just it sounds like a lot but just you know or 10,000 people across the world or five people across the world whatever it is and then sometimes I write songs and I think I really truly want the whole world to hear this not because of any of the gross reasons but I really think I did a good job yeah and I really and it's formatted because for people it. will you there's a certain part where when you start writing in a way knowing your audience and Knowing humanity, and you're like, no, no, this would really entertain you if if you give it a shot. Yeah, I promise you, you'll really enjoy this. Yeah, I, some I'm of a these fairly lyrics, good curator at these things. Like yeah. this one, you'd really have a good time. Well, well, ego is for that. Ego is for for you know. I had more ego when, when I had less going on because I had, I had a bigger uh-huh. chip. Now it's not ego. Now I'm not like you got to hear my shit. Blah blah. I'm just like, I'm just like, no, no, no. I I know this. This is this is a great one. Um, and I, and I hope that the powers that be open the gates because uh, this will this will be good for the community. There's a little bit of the burden of success in that way is that you feel like you know it's like your obligation to entertain people and also like the fans tend to always feel like a certain level of success becomes selling out. So you're like having to constantly bat- battle like no 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 this is it's really just. A song you should enjoy. Well, I, it's just yeah. take it for what it is and not. Or like, there's no. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I feel this way about press a lot, um, but I feel that. What if it's exactly what I what it what it is, and I understand why. And, and when you do a lot of things, um, I think if you I think if I think if you're I'm a top liner. This is what I do. Good night. It's very easy for people to be like that person's a great top liner. I make tracks. This is what I do. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. 
I put out records. I'm this person. I only write books. I only, you know, I think it's if you're very clear, just like Trump's campaign. You know, it's like like Steve Bannon's whole point. Like, just if you stay on narrative, you're going to get the idiots. You know, and so I think the second you start doing a lot of things, you, I'm sure you've seen this within the industry. People start questioning, like, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? And I just keep trying to say, well, it's just what it is. It's just what I told you it is. I really think I can do this. All right, I'm gonna list five people. Okay, and uh, and just uh, tell me what what comes off the top of your head. Okay, all right. Rachel Antonoff, uh, my my biggest inspiration, the ultimate hit uh, predictor, <laughs> truly. Really? Oh, she. There's two. My, my sister, and my girlfriend, are the two people that I uh, care most about their opinion about music. They're like babies. They they don't care. <laughs> <laughs> all of us in this room yeah. it's like when you, you play me a song it's like I'm going to tell you who I am in my 14 word reaction to this song you know it's like oh, I mean the drums are a little dated but yeah it's a good belly <laughs> you know like the, my, my girlfriend and my sister it's like they like it or they fucking don't so funny babies I sent, I, sent a, I sent a song to an artist uh, last week and and I told my wife about it and she goes let me guess he didn't like it right <laughs> And I was like, um, you know, I was like, well, he hasn't responded. She goes, babe, this song's just not very good. <laughs> you know, like she was trying to get me not to send it. I was like, I kind of like it. And she's like, I'm telling you. And she, she's the same thing. She has like, no skin in the game. Yeah. She just likes it or she doesn't. Yeah. And yeah. It's a beautiful reaction. So funny. Um, Nate Roos. Nate Roos. Uh, we, we had our, our break together. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, never. That was one thing Lior Cohen said to me when, uh, when we were young was happening he just and he's a very intimidating person he's very tall he looked at me and he said this will never happen again and I was like what do you mean and he was like not success he's like I'm sure you're gonna have a great career but you never get a break again right um, and so there's memories me Nate and Andrew shared that I'll never we flew first class for the fir- first time and got drunk and shouted new money. <laughs> like, like you just were idiots, you know? We are idiots. We were on, you know, we heard heard our shit on the radio for the first time. You can't go back to that. Lord. Lord. Um, I think Ella is, she's our Bjork. She's our Kate Bush. She's, she's the future. Not because she's young. Because she doesn't seem young. Her age is just like this like, weird detail. Ella's age is like if like right now you were like check this out and took your shirt off and you had like a Primus backplate tattoo and I'd be like what? <laughs> like, I'm always like you're 20? Like but you're teaching me so much. Um deeply important artist and and from a very selfish point of view it just believes believes in me in a very serious way. And I and I'm sure you have people like this in your life. I um maybe maybe cuz maybe for good family relationships or whatever, I the best comes out of me when someone actually believes in me. Mm-hmm. She pushed me a lot for her own record, which is funny because probably should have been vice versa. Lena Dunham, uh, the person who, well, the, well, as I said before, the other true clear-headed song, um, the, the person who can really understand music, but uh, an, an insane inspiration. I think that when we got together. Is when I started to realize, I was like, "Oh, I can, I can really set some pretty crazy goals." She, she doesn't have any. There's, there's no um, door or wall between her and an idea. 
Are you guys are you guys going to do projects together? I don't know. I don't know if I, don't, I, I it's funny cuz I've never really wanted to. My my what what I love more than anything is lying in bed with her. She's writing. I'm listening to mixes. <laughs> and I feel like yeah. um a lot of art is coming from this tiny space. You know, that's people have different ways. A lot of people are like, "How do you guys do it?" It's like you're always traveling ever together and it's like it, to be supported in art like that is an expression of love that's pretty absurd. Priceless. Yeah. What's next for you? Um uh, specifically or like Sure. I don't know. <laughs> it's just a question. What are you working on? <laughs> is that a real question? Yeah. What are you excited about? Oh man. Well, you're excited about your your theater. Yeah, I think the wrong Oh, your play, not your for, theater. For me, it's like, well, it is what it is. I don't know what, you know, I when I was 18, 17, I, I went to this thing at Northwestern. And I remember them saying, um, what's a play? And everyone's like, oh, well, What'd I know what a, I know what a play is. And then you, it's almost it's impossible to answer. I don't know. It's yeah, when okay. it's when people go on stage and read lines. Well, what if it's you know what if it's there are no lines? Yeah, is a musical a play? Is is the theater of politics a play? What is what is it if it's improvised? Is it is it a play? Does it have to be? You know, does it need people for it to be a play? You know, do, can you just do it from lights and tell a story from something else? There were the yeah. idea that there is no real answer to that, and for me, the wrong man. It's like it's a it's a concept album that can be a feature length, that can be a musical, that can be a few things, and I hope people really enjoy it. But there's no what I what I struggled with when I got my first record deal was that there were aisles in stores, and I don't think I fit very well in an aisle. You know, I was uh, iTunes was brand new. And they what? Put, what was they, your music called then? Was it alternative? Like, just what? What aisle did you get pushed into? Uh, I was I was under alternative. Um, it was a I alternative was, a, was a hilarious genre because it's literally like they're like okay throw yeah, it here. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. And I was you know I was um I was opening for Jurassic Five a couple times like more like for like a, a few weeks kind okay. of thing and and uh, I remember playing with like you know random bands like Ozo Motley and stuff like that and then I was and then they put me so like as, just sort of left of center. Like music I was, that people just like like music, like may, maybe, bands I mean, that have a random trumpet player, or like sure. And now, just music. N- now it now it's like uh, now it would it, it has a better shot because it was not a uh, it, it just wasn't a, it's just not a genre. Yeah, do you so feel like we're, like, we're, it, we're it genreless was, now? I think we're close. We're getting closer to it every day. I think on one level. People listen to music very differently now. They literally listen differently. They listen with headphones. Yeah, so, which I love. Which is a different, but it's a different way to experience music. And in mass, we're listening to music differently because people aren't driving as much. There's a whole generation of people who aren't driving as much. And even if you drive, yeah, you don't drive. And if I'm even in a car, I'm usually in headphones in a car. Yeah, it's. So you, if you're listening to music differently, then you should record it differently on some level. You should write it differently on some level, in my opinion. Well, of course. I mean, that's, that's mono versus stereo. There's sure. a reason for that. Yeah. So, and I'm sure at the time there was like, you know, your Phil Spector mono purist or like, this is absurd. Right. And I'm trying, to, I'm trying to figure out what the balance is as far as, you know, I, I like what I'm doing in my career with, with the wrong man. That's super exciting um, because I think that's different. And I'm, and I like the idea that I walk into a room and try to facilitate my co-writer's best song, 
whether it's in our, you know, I, I like walking into a room and being like, what kind of song do you need? And let's write the best song you have. Are you in a place where you're enjoying artists more or just writing more without artists? They're just different processes. It do, you depends. Ha- do, you, do you have a preference? Um, because some people, it's like sometimes, you know, like, I don't know. I have a better shot at getting songs placed, I think, when I'm with an artist. Um, I guess it depends on who the artist is. Yeah. But I think when, I think the fewer writers you have in a room, the better shot. Oh, let me phrase it like this. When you have, if you add writers to a session, you add third, fourth, fifth writer, I don't think that increases your odds of having a hit. I think it does the I think opposite. It, I think it does the opposite. And I think. Like, I can't, I, I've never functioned in camps well. Right. Well, but it, either you do it because it's just a blast and you're like, okay, so today's just fun. And yeah. if we nail something because 11 of us are yelling in a room, that's fun. Yeah. But on some level, I like that I go into a room with one person and we struggle through a song, but it doesn't sound like it, it won't have the homogeny that you get from having too many opinions. It won't turn vanilla because there, when, when you have five people who all have to agree on a song on each lyric and each melody, it's going to get more and more vanilla the more opinions you get. Yeah. So I like the vulnerability of, of fewer writers. And, you know, so I, I think that's been part of what I've been trying to do is to to find Which, people I feel most vulnerable, that I can be vulnerable with. Johan's a great guy, right? Yeah, Johan and I have done a lot of, like, I mean, we've had probably 20, 30 decent sized cuts together. So at what's, this your, point, what's your favorite like, song you've written? What's my favorite song? Yeah, like what's the one that when uh, you're dead? Yeah. <laughs> when I'm dead. What's the one? What's the one that they play at your funeral? To, to like, or well, just so far? What's, to be honest, like, what I, are you most proud of? I'm really excited that I recorded the wrong man. I feel like if I die on my way home, which I hope doesn't happen, because it's going to be a weird interview if it does. That's the one. But that we should listen if to. it does, um, whatever state it's in, and Put however it you hear it, listen to it. Okay. Because I think you'll really get. Um, you'll get my. It, it's not only has it spanned twelve years of writing. Yeah. So some of the songs are that old. Some of them are that new. But they, it gets my sense of humor. It gets my politics. It gets my, uh, you know, it it shows my. Um, it it it's really doesn't seem like I'm the character. It seems like there is a character in it. I'm just proud of it. Yeah. To me, I think that that exemplifies everything I've worked for as a song crafter. To me, that feels like an opus. Well, that's, that, that's, as you say, that's what I love about songwriters so much is I've never met a songwriter who's just like, oh, I just wrote that song. Like, I feel like every song is, there's, you just take out a new funnel and you're like, I want to put it all in, have the best song ever. And then yeah. you do that. And then you, you put that funnel into a funnel. It's like, it's such a, there, there's nothing that, I don't know. Don't you feel that way? Like they're just everything is it, 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 quite intentionally the best song that you've got in you. Yeah, I think so. I well, certainly at the moment. I mean, I like that I can point to songs and they they kind of exemplify a moment in, yeah. in my life. What's the song that when you die, you're like, oh yeah, that's the song that I should be remembered for. Um, it can be a body of work because I mean, I threw that out. <laughs> uh, Steel Train song called Dakota. I think it's like a very. Wow. Perfect song now that I have some perspective on it. But it made up place called Dakota and it's like little stories about horrible things and in Dakota one day you will wake up unchanged is the hook. 
But I was, I was really bad at hooks when I was in that band. Like I, I didn't, I, I was very into complicating things. It's such a, it's crazy how hard it is still. Every day, yesterday I worked on something, I just listened to it and I was like, like, stop it. Stop complicating it. <laughs> like, you know, it's crazy how hard it is when you're in there to just, to just say it. It's like the ESL thing or it's like being in therapy. It's like just saying it. It's so easy, especially as like a Jew to like have a million words and say this and say that, but to like just say it like, and that's always the hook when you like fully are broken and you just say something. Um, I think that's where when you having a good co-writer and someone that you love writing with, that's yeah. what I was saying. Like someone that I can trust being vulnerable with just one-on-one. That's where I'm going to be like, that's where I'm going to be the best writer is when I can, where I can go and just say it and not feel really weird about it. Yeah. No one's going to be like, Ugh. like what? I mean, I can come in with a song called Dangerous Woman on acoustic guitar and Yohan's going to be like, immediately jumps to the piano is like, all right, let's make it happen. Well, that's my and favorite we've done that. We've quote, done that is, so is, many times. Dare to Suck. That's, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. the greatest contribution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sure. What's your, what, what, what pisses you off the most about what we do? What we do? Yeah, like the industry and just like, like what, um, what do you think is like fucking like... The chasing the trends thing is really hard for me. Mm-hmm. Because you feel like it's just... Well, I just don't not know why if you're I, here. Um... I don't know if it's not, it's, I don't really care, like, irrelevant of me. You know, I think that, um, I think a lot of great songs get passed up. Like, there's no woman right now who sounds like, you know, like Jewel or Sheryl Crow or Alanis Morissette or anything like that in pop music. And there's no, you know, there are very few, there are very few bands right now that really get to play in the pop music world. And, and the idea of the chop vocal basically being the dubstep of 2017, you yeah. know, if the the drop in quotes is was last year's thing, you know that that idea of writing where you basically just say, I don't know, put a drop in there, yeah, or you the minute you hear somebody throw in that chop and you're like, oh, it just sounds so relevant, yeah. And it's like you have this short window of pitching this song and hoping someone cuts it. It's just like it makes me sad because yeah. like I, well, I'm, no one ever wrote I, I a song and thought, I hope this is forgotten next year. Yeah, but <laughs> well, because that's what like, essentially like, the art of songwriting it, to me and to, and to everyone I know is essentially like, which goes back to how we started talking uh, at the beginning of this about the absurdity of legacy. But essentially, it's like. To quote you, if I die on the way home today, check this out. <laughs> yeah. If I die on the way home today, check out my new EP. <laughs> but 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 seriously, check this out because it's more it's it's the closest I can get to, you know, putting my heart and soul on into Absolutely. something you can hear. I want you to hear the sweat that it took and the months it took per song. You know, I want I want people to to listen to something and have it seem so simple. And have no idea how difficult that process was. Totally. But like, you can, you just know it. You just know when people, when it, when I hear about some guy, like when you hear about Lin-Manuel, free, like you see him freestyle or something, you're like, is that really a freestyle? You see like those Eminem <laughs> freestyles, you're like, is that really a freestyle? Like, are they really that genius? And maybe there are people who are that genius. I assume they are. It's like a magic trick to me, you know? Well, I've, like, I, I've never, I'm so not... Uh, a freestyle type like everything takes me so long and 
Right. So it's, it's the to- editing, total magic editing, trick to me. And yeah. editing and editing. It, yeah, it's and like what if and, and what if you took all that out and what if that was and what if that was it? Yeah. And what if it was just that? Yeah. Well, um thank you for doing this. You know, I uh show. I I like that you are constantly wearing your heart on your sleeve in social media, in your music and you represent songwriters and artists and producers really well. And that to have somebody that when you know that you have a song come out, it's like it's like when you see a movie and it and it's that actor that you really like. You know, it's exciting because you know that it's gonna be something that's unexpected and you know it's gonna be something that isn't going to be cookie cutter and it won't be chasing trends and it'll be you. Well, that's my new goal now is don't let Ross down. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, well, I'll be judging you. So thank you again. Thanks for having me. Right. Thanks for listening to this episode of And The Writer Is. If you want to hear music from this songwriter I just interviewed, be sure to check out our Spotify playlist or visit our website at andthewriteris.com. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe to us on iTunes. You can also like us on Facebook and Twitter. And the Writer Is is produced by Joe London, edited by Miles Bergsma, and published by Big Deal Music. A special thanks to David Silberstein from Mega House Music and Michael White. Until next time, this is Ross Golan. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.